Clinically, we are proud to be global growth partners in life sciences. To find out how we can help you grow in your leadership career, visit proclinical.com slash leadership. Hi, everybody. My name is Naima Morris, and I'm an Associate Director for Precision Medicine at ProClinical. This interview series is focused on gaining insight and advice from life science leaders on their experience and journey into executive leadership. I'm very excited to have the opportunity to interview Jane Papadaki, who has been in VP and General Manager positions for over eight years. Jane has worked for companies such as Asurgen, Kaijin, Takara and Immune Express, amongst others. Let's get started. The most important thing is to have a purpose. So it goes beyond those sort of day-to-day -day things. Never hold back from, uh, you know, helping others to achieve their objectives. Make sure that you hire the very smartest people that you can and never be intimidated to be hiring people much, much smarter than you. Just because you're the leader, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but you need to know how to make the smartest decisions. Hi, Jane. It is great to have you here today. Thank you very much for doing this interview with me about how you got into becoming a vice president. I wanted to ask you, uh, people have described you as an intrapreneur. What are your most important characteristics that make you an intrapreneur? I would say that probably um, it's a, a boldness uh, in my character to, to not be daunted by uh, jumping in and, and needing to create things and build things or expand things, even when that's a little bit beyond any experience I've had previously. So it's um, not exactly jumping off a cliff, but it, it is having sort of confidence in yourself and a boldness about what you can do and what you can generate. Um, but I, I think that has to be tempered so that that doesn't come across as arrogance because I'm, I'm definitely not an entrepreneur and couldn't start anything for myself. So when I've joined companies, there's usually a structure, a rudimentary structure, um, and, and pieces might be inadequate or um, uh, perhaps n not working well or maybe not existing. And I think it's also very important to be respectful and diplomatic. And I think that is also part of my character so that I can show my appreciation for what everybody else has already done or is trying to do. But if I you know, feel that there's ways that those structures or operations can be um, much more uh, can be enhanced or optimized, that, that you don't do it in such a way that you're you know, denigrating the, the company staff that you're now working with. So that that's a kind of balance. And I also, you know, I have a tremendous passion and energy. Um, and I like to convey that uh, to others, because sometimes I think that also brings out more of their own, you know, they, they might have might have not been quite as motivated before I came on board. Uh, perhaps they've had a lot of struggles in the startup phase. So, you know, I come on with a lot of energy and enthusiasm and convey my passion and also draw out their passion too, which might have become a bit latent over the years. Um, and, and I think perhaps the most important thing is to have a, a purpose to what I'm doing. I'm not just doing a job. I'm not just trying to increase sales. I'm not just trying to build a distributor network or a 
you know, a launch a product. Th- those are all actions that I have to usually do in my position, but that I have a purpose. So it goes beyond those sort of day-to-day things. I have to write a report. I have to go to a meeting. I have to visit a potential customer. Um, I'm actually trying to improve healthcare, uh, and and I share that with with others. Great. Thank you very much. What have been your biggest achievements in your career? And what would you say uh, is your secret to creating high-performance teams? And what skills did you have to learn in order to get there? Well, I'm not sure about the skills that I had to learn, but certainly, um, you know, in terms of biggest uh, achievements, I, I think I am incredibly proud of where I've launched products into the marketplace where there hasn't been a market. So, for example, at Quest Diagnostics, there were many emerging pathogens and we developed tests for those, but but actually people weren't even using, you know, labs weren't even testing because it was all being done at some government labs, specialized labs sent out. And we introduced those tests into to more Uh, more hospitals, hospital labs. And then I could look back and I could think, for example, Fragile X, the genetic disease, you know, I brought that testing, uh, uh, PCR testing to labs all over the US. And previously that was a very, had to be done as a very sophisticated technology in specialized labs and sent out. Or for pathogens like Bartonella, which is responsible for cat scratch disease. You know, most people didn't ever uh, test for this um, and, and, um, you know, or if if there was a request, it would go to some very specialized central testing place. And uh, parvovirus, um, cat scratch, Lyme disease, many of these tests I I launched, but didn't just sort of launch them in, you know, cheaper, better, faster than other tests, but actually built those markets. And then I feel... Um, very proud that I can look out there and see this testing is now much more readily available in, you know, dispersed across labs all over the world. Um, and, and I think that's been very satisfying for me because, of course, that means doctors can order the test more, more, more rapidly, patients can be diagnosed more rapidly, appropriate therapy. So, so to me, um, building those markets has been very successful uh, being you know one of my great successes that I'm proud of but of course I couldn't do that by myself so I I think um, co-joined with that is the success and accomplishment of building these high-performing teams that that you alluded to and that is um, something that I you know very proud of and the fact that Many of the people that I brought on to these teams, when I brought them on, they weren't necessarily, you know, so highly qualified, but I was able to mentor them. And I've got a number of um, team members that work for me at different times that have gone on to, you know, become general managers, to have executive positions at companies like Illumina. Um, And so I feel like I've, you know, done a good job building teams bringing on talent and nurturing that talent to perform for me. But then when I've moved on or they've moved on, they've truly um, moved up in their careers. And and that's what I'm proud of. Even somebody who was just sort of an assistant to me that then later went on to be responsible for sales all over Latin America. So I've enjoyed that. And I'm I'm very proud that, that I did that. That sounds absolutely fantastic. What has been your biggest achievement as a leader and what have you learned from this success? Also, what did you have to do in order to to achieve this? Yes, I think for me, although I've spoken about the success of launching products and 
building teams, the the one uh, accomplishment that really stands out for me is um, building a purpose committee and spreading purpose throughout a company. And um, I, I read a book by Roy Spence um, called "It's Not What You Sell." Oh, you are what you sell. I'm sorry, you are what you sell. And it's about this com this um, this this concept of you know. We're not just an airline, Southwest example, we're not just an airline, we're a cheap airline that's trying to provide cheap travel to people. Or, or like Walmart, you know, um, better living, you know, that's actually not their logo. But many companies actually have this and it goes beyond we're selling this or we're offering this service. It's what's the real purpose. And, and I, I recognize that um, I had a lot of interaction with doctors, which was very inspiring, but there were many people who were in accounting that never saw a doctor or realized the company was actually saving lives and helping people with cancer. And that was true for people in shipping and packaging and manufacturing. So I, um, I took this idea to the CEO and um, I said that I wanted to start this purpose committee and that we would do activities. And, you know, most people are so busy, it's like, oh, that's another meeting, that's another thing. But I really um, campaigned for this and I was really an advocate. And we did set up a committee with people from, you know, different departments of the company. And we did a number of fundraising events. Uh, but we also did, um, which was really inspirational, we invited people in. So, like somebody who was the leader of, or the founder and, and president of a um, cancer advocacy society. And at the end, I mean, we did many things like this, but I remember being particularly pleased because the entire company came to this lunch and, you know, we said, oh, you know, just give $5. It was only like 100 people. We got like $3,000, I think. But also people signed up to um, translate the little booklet about leukemia that was going to be, you know, spread around the world. And I really felt like I... I had engaged, and it it wasn't it wasn't um, something just for me or the people that were working for me, but the entire company then had a purpose. And we, um, when people came on, as well as getting their orientation package, we had a book, which we wrote a little inscription in, which was um, um, the. Um, Ah, it escapes my memory now, but it's, uh, sorry, uh, Mukherjee is, uh, I know Mukherjee is the, is the author and, um, it's about cancer, the, um, Ah, I'm sorry, it'll come back to me. But anyhow, it was a book about cancer. And within one of the chapters was one of the cancers we'd worked for. And so I could say, you know, go to page 227 and see what he's writing about there. That's what, what we're engaged in. But it was a really big book like this. And I used to tell people, go to page 227. <laughs> so I think, I think the purpose committee was perhaps my, my greatest achievement. That sounds absolutely inspirational. Um, really, really good. Um, in your opinion, remember the name of the book. Excuse oh, go for me. It, go for it. Of, the Emperor of All Maladies. Okay, amazing. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, in your opinion, which books, trainings, seminars, groups, people had the most learning impact for you, and why? Okay, right. So I will be very, very candid about this. I have always, you know, I love reading, but I, I like nonfiction or historical novels. And I've always absolutely loathed books about business and sales. I, I just absolutely have. Every couple of years, you know, I'm, I'm sort of forced to read one. Uh, so I've struggled with that. But there's a couple of them, I would say, like 
the kind of classics that I've read, the, um, you know, Hyman Miller, strategic selling, the one minute salesman, you know, I, I, I've done those. And I think, okay, well, you know, I shouldn't be so, you know, I, I should be a little bit more humble. And if someone tells me to read a book, I should read it. But I don't really re- enjoy those kind of business books. What I have enjoyed more and I have taken, um, you know, inspiration from is, is actually, um, um, biographies about business outside of my own domain. So I'm in the healthcare business, but, um, you know, television series or, or documentaries or, or books about people in different areas, you know, like a, say a, a history, something about um, Elon Musk or the most recent one I had was Clive Davis, a record producer. These aren't in my area, but but what I learned from them is how they basically overcame obstacles, how they, um, you know, inspired other people. So I, I tend, my reading is, tends to be outside of my own particular industry. Um, and there have been, when I was at Quest, of course, that's a very large, biggest company in the world for healthcare. So there was a lot of mandatory programs that I had to go through. And I was like, oh, I've got to fly to California for, you know, like four days of <laughs> training. And I, many times I, I've been arm twisted to attend these sessions. And I, I have to say, you know, I've always learned something. So maybe this is a bit of a mixed message. On the one hand, I'm saying I don't like those kind of books and those kind of sessions. But every time I've read one or I've been forced <laughs> to a session, I've learned something. <laughs> Well, that's the most important, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, what was the skill that made you stand out before you became a vice president? Um, well, probably I always achieved my objectives and it exceeded them. Um, and, you know, I, I think I think that people noticed my energy. People often talk about, you know, my energy and that can be that can be sort of infectious. So I was able to not just accomplish my own objectives, but really work, um, you know, across cross-functional teams and, and drive other projects uh, and work with my peers. And so I, I think I became noticed not for simply what, what I was doing and achieving my objectives, but for the impact that I was having on other areas of the company as well. So you take on more responsibilities and um, basically make a bigger contribution. So, you know, it, it's it's the opposite of doing just enough to get by, you know, go above and beyond in what you do and never hold back from, uh, you know, helping others to achieve their objectives. Great. Thank you. When you are identifying future leaders for your company, what qualities do you look for? How can they show they have it before they get into a leadership role? Yeah, I think even at the interview stage, um, I can recognize certain characteristics uh, in, in people. And they, I think people that are driven with a passion are very good leaders because they convey that to the people working for, for them. I also, um, I... I think um, people that are not, you know, not very rigid, people that show a lot of flexibility or creativity because, you know, if, if you're a leader, you're not, unless you're in the military, you're not leading everybody, you know, simply by orders to do everything in the same way. So it's got to be somebody who is very personable and gets on well with others, even if they're not the same personality type or background or, um, uh, you know, energy level. So, and, and you can see that um, when you when you come together, whether it's for 
you know, whether it's for meetings or some kind of event, you can see which people get on well with other people um, and they're, they're going to be leaders. Not necessarily, you know, the back slapping, you know, sort of rib cracking joke type person, but but somebody that truly um, is comfortable talking to everybody and enjoys talking to everybody. Uh, and then the, you know, the, I, I would say the other perhaps most important characteristic is, can they solve problems? Because as a leader, you actually have to solve the problems. It's not usually someone you can delegate it to. So if I have a team of people and somebody's always coming to me with, you know, I have to do this, have to, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this, struggling with that. I mean, I will help them, but I realize that couldn't be a leader. Whereas when I have somebody else in my team and they, you know, let me know about a problem, but they already come with a solution, then they would be a better leader. Okay. So another question that I have for you is, um, you just mentioned uh, that in an interview, like you can see if people have the drive and the passion. Um, how important would you say is it that people have like goals set up in their mind and have bucket lists and, and also maybe take it out just of the professional life, but also make sure that they in general happy? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I think, um, that is something you can determine even at the interview stage. Um, and, you know, there used to be that question about, you know, where do you think you're going to be in five years? And, of course, during the pandemic, everybody was joking, well, we all got that question wrong because we <laughs> didn't end up where we thought we would. But I think at the interview stage, you can see what people's passion and, you know, what you know, where they want to go and, and importantly, why, you know, where do you want to go and, and why? And, um, the, um, uh, you know, th those are things that I, you know, I, I see them in the interview and usually within like the first year that somebody is working for me as I'm building a team, I can see the standout people who are, um, you know, very passionate, very energetic, helping, you know, to solve their own problems with, with creative approaches. Um, and, and I think that, um, you know, I, I think those are things that become self-evident very, very quickly. Amazing. Thank you. What key advice would you give aspiring leaders then? Make sure that you hire the very smartest people that you can and never be intimidated to be hiring people much, much smarter than you. Uh, one role, I was uh, the vice president of operations. Oh, I was the general manager uh, in, in a single cell sequencing company, biotech company in Luxembourg. And I went over there and I had this really dazzling team of, um, you know, they were, P they were all PhDs in things like genetics and epigenetics and molecular. I mean, they had incredible, incredible uh, academic skills, but they'd also been in companies that were in the life sciences. For me, it was an outlier. I'd always been in clinical diagnostic companies. And I had this spell where I jumped across to, to the life sciences and research. And these people were just so much more intelligent than me, <laughs> so much more qualified and experienced. But don't be intimidated because at, at the end of the day, I think the greatest contribution I made to that team and we blew out targets was that 
it was in Luxembourg, but I was sort of this uh, connection, this bridge, this conduit back to the company in the Silicon Valley in the US. So, you know, you don't have to be, just because you're the leader, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but you need to know how to make the smartest decisions. And for me, the smartest decisions was to improve that conduit of communication and support to these people who were, you know, really good. So definitely hire very smart people and um, people that fill your skill gap as well. So I, you know, I, I would say I don't like the analytical side of things. I'm more to the creative side. So sometimes I might hire somebody because they've got those skills and I think, great, they, they're going to fill the gap. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, now that brings us almost to the end. Um, as part of this uh, leadership series, we're asking our guests that um, what they would like to ask other leaders in the industry. Our last guest, uh, Andreas Warburg, Chief Technology Officer at Celogy, had the following question for you, Jane. Uh, okay. Being at the top of an organization can often be lonely. There isn't anyone else above you that you can look up to. So how do you develop yourself further in exceptionalism without having someone to guide you? Yeah, that, that is a, a great question. And I somewhat alluded to this previously when I talked about how I look outside of the industry. It's, it's a way to think about, okay, so I'm kind of bogged down with the problems I've got, some operational challenges or things beyond my control, you know, like uh, FDA regulatory clearance. You know, when those things happen, You, feel, you can feel um, alone and helpless because you can't control something and you um, have no one to turn to. And in those situations, I do look for inspiration for, you know, other people in other industries and how, you know, how they dealt with major crises, how they overcome, you know, came them. Um, there's there's a, a book that I read um, called Courage and actually the author of the book, John Spetzel, he's the CEO of a biotech company. And uh, he, you know, he, he developed, uh, you know, sepsis and heart complications and everything and, and uh, how he kind of struggled and fought through that. And, and I think for all of us during COVID, that's been really true, that we haven't been able to necessarily do all we want. So it's been uh, kind of important to take inspiration from people you know, outside of our own company that have um, accomplished things. You know, they entrepreneurs have often had failures. I mean, that's true of, um, you know, Branson and um, 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 Steve Jobs and, um, you know, many others. They, you know, it wasn't always like a slam dunk uh, success. So I think you have to recognize that, that yes, there'll be setbacks, Most things are going to take longer, cost more, and be more challenging than you anticipated. And don't whine about it or, you know, try to find someone to, you know, to console you, but try to find um, outside of your industry somebody to inspire you. Great. Thank you so, so much, Jane. And um, so finally... My very last question, what would be your question to the next inspiring life science leader then? I, I think that I would, um, I would say to them to perhaps a lot of times you can be successful without actually 
recognizing why. And sometimes that sex success can be fortuitous. You know, you were in the right time, the right at the right time with the right product. So I would say it is actually very helpful to do a self-assessment sometimes to find out why was I successful here uh, in this leadership role and why was it that um, I was less successful or more challenged in the other one. I, you know, I don't, I'm talking about, you know, going to a therapist and navel-gazing. I'm talking really just about a kind of objective approach to reviewing your success as a leader and then seeing if that's a template that you can then transfer to, to, to others, you know, rather than just thinking, oh yeah, you know, that's great. I've got this role. I've, you know, accomplished all of this, how and why. And, and I've, you know, tried to do that. I mean, (laughs) for this interview, of course, but I recognized before this interview, um, that, energy, I mean, I'm just an energetic person, but that energy can sometimes trump expertise. So if I'm interviewing somebody and they seem like really energetic, enthusiastic, but they're not quite as qualified as another candidate, I might go with that more, slightly more energetic person. Great. It's been fantastic with you, Jane. I really appreciate your time um, that you squeezed us in very short notice. And um, yeah, it was very inspirational. Well, thank you. Enjoyed speaking with you, Neymar. Thank you. Look forward to the series. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening. At ProClinical, we are proud to be global growth partners in life sciences. To find out how we can help you grow in your leadership career, visit proclinical.com slash leadership.